This is an encore presentation to celebrate the life of Robert Felix, who passed away on June 10, 2021. Robert was a great thinker and writer, and his work is pertinent to today more than ever. He was a wonderful teacher and a great scientist. He knew years ago what many are just learning now. Robert was leaps ahead of most in his understanding of cosmic cycles and terrestrial effects, whose work both popularized these ideas and set the stage for many researchers to come. Thank you for everything, Robert. Our prayers are with you and your family. A new candle is lit in the In Memoriam section of our website. It was an honor to have you on Veritas. The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight's special guest is Robert Felix, author of Not by Fire, but by Ice. And the focus of tonight's interview, Magnetic Reversals and Evolutionary Leaps, a True Origin of Species. Are you a supporter of the global warming campaign? Did you know that the planet's overall temperature has been dropping consistently? Many countries in Europe experienced a mini ice age recently, and the media was nowhere to be found. Robert Felix will be with us shortly. And how do you listen to the full interview, you ask? It's very simple. Become a member. Go to our website and click on the subscribe button, and you'll receive your login immediately. And we'll be able to experience everything we have to offer. And don't forget, visit our Veritas store, where you can find MMS, our futuristic metal-cased 8GB USB drives, for those of you who want to have it all but don't have the space or the time to download, all in CD audio quality. And to get in touch with me, it's very simple. Click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Immediately after the many major extinction events that Earth has experienced, thousands of new life forms appeared, with no previous evidence of them in the fossil record. This has happened many, many times. Remember Charles Darwin? He's the one who told us that evolution is a slow, slightly, and orderly process, plodding along so slowly that no one could hope to see it work in their lifetime. Darwin's theories of gradual evolution and natural selection are now regurgitated almost unthinkably the world over. That's too bad, because Darwin was wrong, says Robert Felix, who's coming up next. and you are listening to a wonderful radio interview conducted by Mel. 
Robert Felix, a former architect, became interested in the Ice Age cycle back in 1991. He spent the next eight and a half years full-time researching and writing about the coming Ice Age. He then concentrated on spreading the word. Robert's book, Not By Fire But By Ice, has achieved international acclaim with readers around the world. Today, Felix continues his research and is more firmly convinced than ever that the next Ice Age could begin any day now. In fact, he believes he has already begun. And to learn more about Robert Felix and his work, visit his website at iceagenow.com. And directly from Kirkland, Washington, I would like to welcome Robert Felix to Veritas for the first time. Hello, Mr. Felix, and welcome. How are you? Hi, Mel. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. And may I call you Robert? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, first question is, how does an architect go from doing what you were doing to researching all these topics of Ice Age and magnetic reversals? Tell us more beyond what I read in your bio. <laughs> That's probably the toughest question you're going to ask me all day. <laughs> you know, I really can't answer that. In uh, in 1991, I mean, it was many years ago, but... Um, I be, I was taking a writing course and and I wrote a little bit uh, a fiction uh, article about how the dinosaurs were killed. I you know it was just fiction. I thought well they they were killed by a meteor, and then I thought oh you know maybe I should just look it up and see what really did kill them, and lo and behold scientists said it was a meteor. So I thought oh well maybe I'll switch this over and make it into a uh, you know make it into nonfiction. And I started researching it and researching it. And I began to think, you know, I don't think it was a meteor. I think it was a magnetic reversal. And I got hooked. You know, I thought I could write a book in, <laughs> in maybe six months. I, if I'd had any idea it was going to take me eight years full time to research that thing and, and write about it, I probably wouldn't have done it. But now I'm really glad that I did. Now, we are glad that you did because th these are topics that come to mind all the time in our show. But Robert, many of our listeners know you from your book, Not by Fire, but by Ice. But I wanted to look into your new book, Magnetic Reversals and Evolutionary Leaps. That is the, the what is the premise of this new book? Well, you remember Charles Darwin. Of course. Uh, he's the one who told us that evolution is a slow and, and stately and orderly process, that it, that it plods along so slowly that no one could hope to see it work in their lifetime. And, you know, we've been repeating Darwin's words now for, for almost unthinkingly for 150 years, but I think Darwin was wrong. With all, of my, with all of my research, the title of the book, Magnetic Reversals and Evolutionary Leaps, that, that tells part of the story. And the subtitle, The True Origin of Species, I think begins to tell the rest of the story. Because, because what I've discovered in, in my research on the first book is, is that the arrival of new species on our planet correlates amazingly well with magnetic reversals. And so that, that's what the book is about. And I like that subtitle because it obviously it alludes to what we all suspected here. Uh, you know, Darwin talks about gradual evolution, but there have been extensions when X number of, of, of species are wiped out and the same number of species comes back, but totally different without any, any, any trace. Can you explain? Well, you, you're right. And, and, and not only without any trace, but it, it happens suddenly. In fact, that's the, the title of, of one of the chapters in Magnetic Reversals and Evolutionary Leaps is suddenly because, because 
you know, the, the world just goes along, limps along for a while, and then all of a sudden uh, we have a, a, an evolutionary leap. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those evolutionary leaps occurred in sync with magnetic reversals. I, I don't, for instance, I don't think it was a coincidence that apes and humans branched apart about five million years ago at the end of Miocene at a magnetic reversal. I don't think it's just a coincidence that uh, Homo habilis appeared about two million years ago at a magnetic reversal, or that Australopithecus, that, that was an upright walking creature with a, a man-like jaw and an ape-like brain. I don't think it's a coincidence that it went extinct about one million years ago at a reversal, or that Peking Man, uh, or known as Java Man, appeared about 780,000 years ago, again at a magnetic reversal, or, or even the Neanderthals. The Neanderthal uh, suddenly appeared about 115,000 years ago at the Blake magnetic reversal, and then Wham, uh, it disappeared, went extinct at the, uh, at the uh, Lake Mungo magnetic reversal about 33,500 years ago. I, I just don't think, I don't see how all of those things can be a coincidence. Now, the question is, where did these new species come from then? Well, <laughs> uh, what I'm seeing is that, that during magnetic reversals is, is what happens is well, let me let me back up a little bit. There was a, like in the 1960s, there was a scientist called Robert Uffen, and Mr. Uffen proposed that uh, that during a magnetic reversal, that because because our magnetos magnetosphere protects us from the cosmic rays, that during a magnetic reversal, the Earth would lose its shielding. It would lose that magnetosphere for a while, and that would allow cosmic rays onto our planet, radioactive spewing uh, cosmic rays, and that those cosmic rays would lead to mutation. And at the time, in the 60s, you know, everybody was, was you know, they just kind of ignored often. But I think he was onto something. And I think that is what happens, is that we have all this radioactivity bathed on our planet and and. Boom, we've got a, we, we have mutations and new species appearance. And we're going to be disproving Darwin a lot, I suspect, in the next two hours. Let me ask you, if according to Darwin, species have evolved, why is it that, for example, sharks are almost identical today as they were 370 million years ago? Uh, you've read the book, haven't you? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, that that is the question that I ask. Certainly, is that uh, because sharks during all of these three hundred and whatever million years are essentially still the same. However, you know, I think that uh, I think that a lot of new fish and new species probably quote evolved a beginning with them. I, I guess you could call it evolution in one way, is because you got to start with something. Those mutations came from somewhere, but the thing is, is that they happened overnight. Each each of those mutations, not not in a slow, gradual uh, way, the way Darwin talks about. You know, as I read your book, I, I come, something comes to mind. Are you familiar with the Akari insects? By the way, no, I'm not. Let me read something really quick. In 1837, Andrew Cross reported to the London Electrical Society concerning the accidental, spontaneous generation of life in the form of Acurus genus insects while he was conducting experiments on the formation of artificial crystals by means of prolonged exposure to weak electric current. Throughout numerous strict experiments under a wide variety of conditions, utterly 
inimical to life as we know it. The insects continue to manifest. Then another researcher, Michael Faraday, also reported to the Royal Institute that he had replicated the experiment. Soon afterwards, all notice of this phenomenon ceased to be reported. Here's an example of how insects just manifested, appeared with weak electric current, Robert. Oh, well, you know, I you're giving me goosebumps. I had not heard of this article. I, I hope you can email it to me. I would love to put it on my website. Absolutely. And when I heard of this story a year or two ago by, by a, a researcher with the name of John Lamb Lash, I, I had to go out there and research. And I thought this may have been maybe, you know, a bug or two you know, crossed the, the, the experiment, and, and, and but they actually replicated this experiment again and again, and they still appeared. So when you're talking about species all of a sudden popping up when these reversals, and there's a lot of electricity that takes place and radiation, I wonder if in a larger scale, these carry insects also can and provide with the same type of uh, occurrence, bigger, uh, you know, flora and fauna. Well, before we go on, is it a carry? Is that A K R R A A K A R I A C A R I A C A R I? If you Google anybody listening, if you Google a carry insects, you'll be able to to look at a lot of information on on how this happened over a hundred years ago. Oh, that is so exciting because Michael Faraday, of course, invented so many things to do with with the the magnetic field. Uh, yeah, during magnetic reversal, you know, well, going back to Faraday, Faraday is the one that, that uh, found that any time you have an electric field, you have a magnetic field. You, it's not possible to have one without the other. And so during what I see during a magnetic reversal uh, or a magnetic excursion, and, and we can get into that and the difference, but during a magnetic reversal or excursion is that sometimes the Earth's magnetic field uh, fluctuates strongly. It'll move partway south, it'll move partway back north, it'll move partway back south. And I am, I see no choice, but when that magnetic field is is fluctuating, that electric currents going through the Earth have to also be fluctuating. Because, uh, you know, there's always electric currents going through the Earth. They're called electro-telluric currents. But uh, I'm, I'm saying that during a magnetic reversal, you would have vast fluctuations. So why couldn't they contrib- contribute to the mutation? I, I'm agreeing with this, this paper without even having read it. You said it's John Van Lash? John Lamb Lash was Lamb the one. Lash. He was the one who actually prompted me to the, to the experiment. Okay, that's that is exciting news. And uh, all this reminds me of the whole what came first, the chicken or the egg, insects showing up out of nowhere. Do you subscribe to the panspermia theory that life has was seeded by passing meteors and could it be that these new species got seeded this way? Oh, I guess I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I, I won't uh, I won't say it's wrong either. I guess you know that that is that chicken and egg thing because if it came from a passing meteor, then how did that passing meteor get that life? Uh, I I'm of the inclination to believe that um, that everything goes back to the magnetic re- reversals and to the electric forces throughout the universe. I, I'm of the belief that, that uh, our Earth 
began not not in the Big Bang theory, the way they talk about uh, four and a half billion years ago, but that that our Earth essentially began as a rotating magnetic field out in space, and that as it had uh, more and more. Uh, as it aligned with whatever it is that it aligns with and had these explosions that, that uh, matter was actually created in, in the sky and, and coalesced and, and eventually became our planet and that our planet is continuing to grow in that manner. And I keep imagining how in a magnetic reversal, a species just disappears and another one just Pops up, and again, I'm sounding like a broken record. But the question in my mind is how how was this new species transported here? How did it appear? And I guess this is a question we're going to be asking throughout the show. I've always wondered, Robert, a long, long time ago. Many of the species that live today existed, but much bigger. Insects and birds came uh, come to mind. To what do you attribute their size then? Was the Earth different in size, or or was gravity less? Well, uh, one of the things, I guess, is during the dinosaur age, CO2 levels were much, much, much higher than they are today. And, and uh, you know, I, uh, staying away from the global warming part here, I think that's, you know, CO2, it does become a plant food. And, and uh, uh, during those times of high CO2 levels, I think that the plants were able to grow tremendously faster, and mm -hmm. and uh, maybe it affected uh, the animals too that that they were able to grow more. At least they had a lot more food available for them. So I think that's part of it. And when a magnetic reversal occurs, is it immediate or is it gradual? By well, before we even go there, maybe for I imagine most of your listeners have probably heard you talk about magnetic reversals before. Sure. But for those who haven't, uh, a magnetic reversal is a time when, in the past, when compasses would have pointed toward Antarctica instead instead of toward the Arctic. And this is not unusual. This is this is not theory. This is not something that I came up with. Uh, the geologic record shows that that our magnetic our magnetic field has probably been reversed for half of history. It's just that at this particular time, our compasses do point toward the Arctic. Uh, with that said, is that it looks like it happens quickly. By the way, one of the ways they found this is is that back in the 1960s, uh, when they were uh, when the military was towing magnetometers behind ships, they their magnetometers would point in one direction for 10 or 15 miles, and then their magnetometers would point in another direction, sometimes for 15 miles, sometimes for 25 miles, and it turns out that that this came from from basalt because the ocean floor if you get below the sediments that have been deposited there the ocean floor is entirely made of of lava or basalt and when that lava comes out of the earth it is so hot that it is it is non-magnetic but as it Cure, as it cools through the Curie temperature, it, it takes on the magnetic field of the day. And so uh, what, it, what had happened in previous times is, is, these, uh, is this lava would pour out of cracks in the seafloor, out of rifts, and then move off in both directions away from the crack. And as it cooled, it would take on the magnetic field of the day. Thank you for listening. 
To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.